Not Sam Wrestling returns live to Caroline's on Broadway in New York City, Sunday, September 8th, 7 p.m. Be there in the flesh. You're not going to want to miss this show. Tickets available right now. Carolines.com. Today on the podcast, R-Truth, Carmella, SummerSlam, King of the Ring, and a whole bunch more. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Here we are, back in the Not Sam studio after a busy, busy weekend, but really almost a full week in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, the beautiful Great White North. Here we are with another episode, 251, I believe, of Not Sam Wrestling. Uh, R-Truth and Carmella and little Jimmy are going to be on today's show. Hilarious interview. You're not going to want to miss it, uh, but I'm sure that that's not a shocker to you. Man. So, you know, I got a lot of content for you guys. I did a lot of content for WWE. I did a whole bunch of stuff in Toronto. It was a busy, busy time. I got up there. Uh, right after, I mean, the podcast, so yes, last week, where we were a week ago right now, I was recording the podcast, obviously. Then, took a, took a four-hour nap, what some of you may call a night's sleep, uh, headed into New York City, did the radio show with Jim Norton on Sirius XM, came home, grabbed my bags, headed to the airport with traffic and flight delays and everything else that uh, LaGuardia Airport has to offer. It only took nine hours, but found my way to Toronto. Woke up the next morning, immediately downstairs for media, uh, which will have uh, interviews over the next couple weeks here on Not Sam Wrestling. You know, one of those, of course, being R-Truth and Carmella. I got tipped off. You know, it's interesting now because obviously I'm going to SummerSlam uh, as a guest of the WWE as a guest analyst for the pre-show and for the kickoff show of, of TakeOver and SummerSlam. But at the same time, I still got my show on SiriusXM. I still got this podcast. So the PR people said, hey, you know, we got a media event on Friday morning. I don't know when you're getting there, but you're going to want to check this out. And so I did. And, you know, I think they were expecting three or four minute interviews, uh, Unfortunately for me, or for them, I guess, fortunately for me, I decided to pull up a couple chairs and have a little bit of an extended chat with most of the people who came through my way. Certainly something that the PR department uh, let me know that they noticed, and they noticed very, very much. But I said, you know, the Not Sam Wrestling fans, specifically the Not Sam Shells, they need content, okay? And I'm here to gather content for them. So that was a fun time. Got to see a little bit of Toronto. Of course, Saturday did the NXT TakeOver pre-show. I thought it was an amazing TakeOver. Uh, No shocker there. You know, I I mean, these Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano matches, you just never get tired of them. Um, Shayna Baszler, you never get tired of her. I thought Io Shirai and Candice LeRae probably had the standout match of the night in the sense that I think those two really got the opportunity to shine on a big, big stage, and they took full advantage Uh, and executed perfectly. I loved that match, and I am a huge Io Shirai fan, so I'm really glad that that match went down the way it went down. Um, 
tag match opening was incredible. The uh, triple threat for the North American Championship, incredible. Uh, but the pre-show was also incredible. It was yours truly alongside Charlie Caruso, Caruso, and Pat McAfee, who I swear to God, the looks of disdain are so real when I look at this guy on the NXT TakeOver pre-show. He comes out, first of all, he's walking around all day in like a black shirt, button-up, and some way too tight khaki shorts. And I'm going like, is this what you're wearing? Because knowing him, it might be what he's wearing. And he goes, oh no, I got a costume for later. And I go, you got a what? I got a costume for later. Don't worry about that. I got a costume. I'm going to put it on later. And I'm like, look, of all people to make fun of the way people say words, especially costume, you know, but it's not a costume. It's an outfit. It's an ensemble. But he had a costume, and I swear to God, he shows up right before we go live in that ridiculous Canadian tuxedo. Chambray shirt, blue tie, denim shorts, denim jacket, all different shades of blue denim, his name embroidered like a small child on the breast pocket of his jacket, and I'm going, what are you doing? He was walking up the hall, I mean, literally five minutes before we went live. He put this thing on so that nobody could see it. The amazing Coach Matt Bloom, known in another life as Albert and Lord Tenzai, just looked at him as he was leaving the TV locker room and said, you got balls. Not in a way of like, I respect that, in a way of like, you look like an idiot. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, the lights were down at the TakeOver panel. Uh, yeah, the TakeOver pre-show panel before we started. So the guys producing us, you know, so 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 Michael Cole, Mike Mansuri, the people who were there watching didn't see what was going on yet. All of a sudden the lights come on and they go, oh my God. And I just said, wait, this is ridiculous. He knew it was ridiculous too. I don't know who he's trying to fool. But aside from Pat McAfee's absurd, absurd outfit, uh, had a blast breaking down all the matches uh, on the on the kickoff panel. I don't remember what some of you all got mad at me for this time. I'm sure. I, oh yeah, I think uh, a lot of Pete Dunn fans got upset with me. Uh, a lot of Mia Yim fans got upset with me. But look, I mean, Pete Dunn didn't win, and neither did Mia Yim. So it's not like I was wrong. And then we get to SummerSlam, and I mean, getting to work with JBL. First of all, I'll tell you this. I felt very much vindicated for the colossal flub I had a year and a half ago at WrestleMania 34 when I stumbled through action being on the way, and it was just the most embarrassing thing in the world. Probably the worst performance on any kickoff show ever. I would give that to myself. It was just horrible. But this time, it was... Myself, it was JBL, who is like, dude, if any of you in your given professions get the chance to work with somebody on the level of JBL, do it in a heartbeat. The thing about broadcasting is it looks easy because everybody can talk. You look at people talking on television and you go, yeah, that guy's a total ass. Anybody could do it. I could do that if I wanted to. Hand me a mic. I'll be up there doing it. But it's not that easy. You know, there's a lot that goes into uh, talking in front of that big of an audience and getting a message across, especially when it's just like, look, at the end of the day, 
I guess the WWE trusted myself and JBL because none of what we said was even moderately rehearsed. They said Sam and JBL are going to do what Sam and JBL do. I think real, realistically they're probably saying JBL is going to do what JBL is going to do and Sam is going to hold on for dear life. So, but regardless, I tried to go in there holding my own. Uh, uh, but I mean nothing to the point where like I didn't even know for sure what matches we were going to talk about until we were live. Luckily, I watched the product. I have my opinions on everything and they started, you know, as as I told you months ago with the Bianca Belair thing, they said, Sam, just give me your opinion. Don't worry about anything except just saying exactly what your opinion is. You don't need to tow the company line. You don't need to do anything, but give me your opinion. I said, okay, I can give you an opinion. I watch every week. I can give you an opinion on every match. So that's what I did. But to see somebody like JBL, who is, I mean, saving the world, the world. He's got charities all over the place. He's you know, getting kids in Bermuda to play sports he's going to Africa to start schools and all the while you throw any match at him and he's got a smart well thought out take that he can articulate better than anybody the guy's amazing and I was really happy with myself that I made him chuckle when I called him as a goof so all's well you know I and you know some Finn Balor fans got upset with me uh, I think I guess some Miz fans got upset with me. I don't know. I don't even remember who else I pissed off. Luckily, I couldn't possibly care less. Some kid uh, saw me in the SummerSlam Superstore. I was walking around. I was grabbing a SummerSlam hoodie or whatever. You know, I went all over the place in Toronto. I went over to see uh, the Foot Locker uh, in downtown Toronto. It was one Foot Locker, and they had a special WWE section. And you probably thought, being that I'm such a shoe guy that I got a pair of the shoes. They did a a special exclusive Chuck Taylor Converse All-Star and Converse Low Tops of Bret Hart, The New Day, uh, Becky Lynch, and I don't remember if there was one other one. Maybe those were the three. Uh, But I ended up not getting those. I decided instead, you know, Chalkline is like my favorite brand. It's definitely my favorite WWE crossover clothing company, but at this point... Might be my favorite company. If you catch me in the house at any given moment, odds are I'm either wearing chalk line shorts or chalk line sweatpants. I have so many chalk line jackets at this point, it's not even funny. I just, I love everything that they do over there. And they had some jackets that were exclusive for this Foot Locker. The, the theme of the Foot Locker was the, sort of the global presence of WWE. So they had like, a Lucha House Party chalk line jacket. They had a Sin- I mean, dude, they had a Sin Cara chalk line jacket. And I know you're thinking, like, who's paying all this money for a Sin Cara jacket? It was, like, one of the coolest chalk line jackets you've ever seen. They did such an amazing job. I almost bought it. It was, like, so cool looking. It was all, like, sky blue. And it, there was, like, a fade to it and everything. Uh, they had a Zelina Vega jacket that uh, they told me sold, like, super well. They said that was selling the best. I think they had a a version of the Heart Foundation jacket that was exclusive. They had an LWO jacket that was, I think, exclusive that was, like, not just the LWO logo, but it was the all-over print. I think there's a pair of shorts that are like it, but it was, like, a black satin jacket and the LWO logo printed all over. And then they had the jacket that I I simply had to have. They had a Yokozuna chalk line jacket, red and white and black, exclusive to the store, apparently, And I saw it and I said, man, 
I saw it online and I was like, I really want that Yoko jacket. And then I got there and they were like, yeah, they just made these for the store just for this weekend. And I said, all right, I'm buying it. And I picked it up and I went right to the cash register and I bought it. I'm wearing it right now. I just love it. So I went and I got my Yokozuna chalk line jacket. And then I walked over to the SummerSlam Superstore. And I was going around. I got a SummerSlam hoodie. I always get hoodies at these pay-per-views. And, uh, and I'm walking around. I'm saying hi to some uh, WWE fans, taking pictures here and there. And this little kid comes up to me. He's probably like 10 years old. And he goes, are you Sam Roberts? I go, <laughs> matter of fact, I am. Pleasure to meet you, young man. I'm thinking to myself, I must be an inspiration to this kid. And he reaches out and he shakes my hand. And in my head, I'm going, it's true, man. These Canadians, they are polite. These Canadians really are a better class of people than us disrespectful Americans. And then the kid looks at me and he's like, Sam Roberts, you should do two things. And I said, oh, this is going to be adorable. I said, what are those two things, young man? And he said, you should... Shave your head and do better commentary. And he just <laughs> and he just stared at me. And I go, all right, bud. Well, I appreciate it and nice to meet you. And I went about my way, but I said, I can't believe. Man, all I do is go on these kickoff shows and present an opinion. I just give you my opinion. And people get so pissed off. I said, the Miz is a goof for giving up his SummerSlam match and never winning. And he doesn't win. And he did give up his SummerSlam match. You know, I think he won on Raw, but he doesn't win on pay-per-views. I said Finn Balor has a 0% chance of winning the championship. He did not win the championship. I said Kofi Kingston versus Randy Orton was going to be great and that Kofi has every right in the world to be mad at Randy. I stand by that. You know, I mean, I'm right all the time. So I don't know what everybody's getting so upset about. And then I stuck around an extra day in Toronto and did commentary for main event, which you will be able to see on Hulu as of this week. And then in a couple weeks, it'll make its way on to the WWE Network. Uh, I heard one of the commentators was not saying very nice things about Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. So I don't know. That's rumor and innuendo and hearsay. But I don't know. But all in all, it was a really, really great SummerSlam weekend for yours truly, the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts. And it only gets better because, you know, uh, there were people disappointed that SummerSlam did not happen this year. We've done four of them in a row because the last four were in New York. Now, next year we're in Boston. And if you guys in Boston want me to bring Summer Sam to Boston, let's start working on it now. Let some venues know. Let the people know. Because Boston may be a fun one to do. I've never done a live wrestling podcast in Boston. Um, I mean, I guess I've never done one in Toronto either. But... Boston is such a great wrestling town. It might be really fun to do it there. And that's something that we could get a head start on right away. Uh, but for the first time since January, I've taken uh, a, a almost nine-month hiatus. I could have uh, conceived a child in my belly and given birth between these two live shows. I don't do live shows all that often because they're a lot of work. I love doing them. I don't like everything that goes into creating them I love getting on stage and doing the show I love meeting you guys and interacting with you guys but all the work that goes into them is a lot especially with everything else I have going on and trying to sell tickets and doing the whole deal so but Caroline's on Broadway came to me and they said Sam we know it's your birthday on September 6th we know that Raw and Smackdown are coming to Madison Square Garden on September 9th and 10th 
So what do you say we split the difference? What do you say Sunday, September 8th, we bring Not Sam Wrestling back to Caroline's on Broadway for the first time in over a year? And I said, that's a damn good idea, Caroline's on Broadway. Greg Charles, you did it again. You came up with it. So it's happening. For the first time in over a year, Not Sam Wrestling returns to Caroline's on Broadway in New York City. If you're going to Raw at Madison Square Garden, if you're going to SmackDown at Madison Square Garden, this is going to be the spot. If you're not going to those shows, but you are in New York, this is going to be the spot. Sunday night, September 8th, 7 p.m. Eastern. We're going to be celebrating my birthday. We're going to be celebrating the history of WWE at Madison Square Garden. We're going to be doing a live not Sam Wrestling Podcast. And if you want to be there, all you have to do is go to carolines.com and order tickets now. They were supposed to go on sale Monday, but I was hammering out some details. So they're going on sale right now. Jump online and get them quickly. I will probably have like a pinned tweet. Uh, I'll probably post it on Instagram. I'll probably do some Instagram stories about it. Um, but... Just make sure you do it, carolines.com. There's a little calendar on the side of the website. Click on September 8th, and Not Sam Wrestling should come up. Get those tickets now. You can get it, and I think it's like uh, $20 to get in, $35 if you want to do the VIP meet and greet. Um, you know, I, Caroline's does a ton of packages with it. There's drink packages and meal packages and everything. But to get into the show, you all you have to do is drop a 20 spot, 20 bucks for tickets. 35 with the meet and greet, and bada bing, bada boom, you're a part of history. Not Sam Wrestling, live at Caroline's on Broadway in New York City, Sunday, September 8th, 7 p.m. Eastern, carolines.com, right now for tickets, and right now we go to R-Truth and Carmella on Not Sam Wrestling. The Not Sam Wrestling Interview. Let's take a brief pause to remind you all about Blue Chew. You've all heard about Blue Chew by now. Well, let me tell you something. Blue Chew is keeping my marriage alive. It's very, very difficult, you know. There was a time when I was a young man, I was ready to go at a moment's notice. Now, I'm exhausted. I'm overworked. I got 150,000 things going on. And the one thing, especially coming off of like SummerSlam weekend, The one thing that I have to do is make sure that whenever my wife says, Sam, now, I'm capable of executing now. And the only way I can guarantee that I can do that, because it's not just a physical thing, it's also about mental confidence. And the one thing that will take care of the physical as well as the confidence is, of course, Blue Chew. Blue, like the color, it's the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Look, we all watch too much wrestling, right? Most of us, we collect wrestling stuff. We're reading wrestling stuff on the internet. We embrace our hobbies. But if you want to embrace your hobbies and you want to have a successful relationship as well, you have to be able to show your partner at a moment's notice that you care about them too. And the way you're going to be able to do that is with Blue Chew. It gives me the confidence that I need to know that whenever Jess says, Sam, I need to know that I matter. I'm going to be able to show her exactly 
how much she matters. Look, it's prescribed online. It ships to your door. You know I don't like awkwardness. I avoid all of the awkwardness. Go to the website. They send me the blue chew right to my door. It's so easy. I never have to talk to any doctors in person. I never have to go to any offices. I never have to go to any pharmacies. That's it. It comes right to the door, and there it is. In a little brown envelope, it's the relationship saver. Because let's be honest, the physical part matters. And Blue Chew makes sure that the physical part is something that you can pull off. Hey, visit BlueChew.com now, and you can get your first shipment for free with promo code ROBERTS. It's free, so you might as well try it. All you have to do is pay $5 shipping. That's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code ROBERTS. Try it for free. What a treat. Here we are with the WWE 24-7 champion, R-Truth, who's enjoying his morning coffee, Carmella, and they put out a third chair. Is somebody else coming? That's little Jimmy sitting there. He's not a morning guy, so he's <laughs> been acting up all morning. And Trick or Treat is in October. I didn't say, who said Trick or Treat? You said treat, I have a treat, I have treats. Yeah, I understand, you can have tr it. Trick or Treat, you get it? No, I got it. Yeah. But you can, yeah. you can have treats with it at any. Also coming from the guy who thought Drake Maverick is from Toronto, because Drake's from Toronto. He's got a, an accent, man. He speaks Canadian, right? Yeah, but it's Drake the Rapper that's from here, not Drake Maverick. Bro, they're telling me all kind of stuff, you know what I'm saying? Bro, no, I get it. When you're paranoid, Sam, things sound alike, but they're different. But they mean the same thing. See. You see what I'm saying? And you're paranoid because of the championship. I'm paranoid because of people. This don't make me paranoid. Peoples do. Them. I see. They and those people make me paranoid. Right. Not Mel. That's what I said. They don't want you to be... 24-7 champion. Right. No. Oh. Oh. Now you see what I'm talking about, man. He almost... Yeah, you almost burned it. little Jimmy. I'm not going to burn Jimmy. <laughs> I'm not going to burn him. But no, they don't want you to be champion. So when you're doing this, is, this is a, there's a media scrum going on right behind us. There's a whole red carpet, and I mean, there are dozens of people there. When you're in a room, and then behind us, I mean, there's... there's all every, a swivel there, too. And here's the issue, too. A lot of these media personalities are from Europe. You know what that means? There could be some family members there, dog. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm a European TV champion, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, <laughs> I never know who I might run into. <laughs> You're definitely right. That's not where I was going. Oh, I thought that's what you were saying. No, 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 no. What I was saying was, if they were to win the 24-7 title, and the European TV champion then. Over the That's over the pond, you know. Home. Home. No, no, no. Not your home. They're gonna take I'm it. I'm European. To your no, I get that. I get that. Let me just stop you there. Just. I'm just saying it'd be more difficult to regain the title if they were to get on a Concord, get back to Europe. Bring it back to Europe. How are you going to fly to Europe and go get the title no, back? No, exactly. No, right That's now, what no. he's saying. No, I'm not going to so Europe. If they take we're here. We're going to November though. November. <laughs> November came. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I understand. You know we're going in November, right? To Europe? Yes. So you gonna but you wouldn't want to wait until November to go? To get the title back, I'm saying. We're talking about the this ASAP. Right. If somebody takes this, I'm getting an ASAP. I don't care if I got to swim, get a train, a boat, they have plane. A, yeah, they have airplanes. That didn't have to be the fourth option. That could be the first. Just plane ticket. It's so depends. 
this has been dependent on airplanes and tarmacs too. So I'm a little paranoid of that too, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Not only has it been defended, it's been won and lost. Uh, exactly. Oh my God. Now we're on the same page, Sam. Watch out. Ali. Wow. This is your life. They act like they're friends, but they're not. This Don't is my friend. Anyone. Do you worry at all? Because we've now seen the title. It's not gender specific. Right, Maria Canales is one. Kelly Kelly is one. You could be pregnant and win the title. Do you ever worry that Carmela will get that lust in her eye? <laughs> we'll get that. We'll get that lust. I'm not talking about being pregnant. <laughs> we'll get pregnant. No, I was talking about Maria being pregnant. Oh, cause I had my baby. <laughs> I don't, I don't think you're going to get Carmela pregnant. What I think, I'm not worried about that. What I think is that, you know, Carmela has chased gold before. She's been a champion before, money in the bank winner. Very proud of that. Do you worry of Carmela? Yes. Do you worry that she'll get that lust in her eyes? See the 24-7 championship and go, wait a minute. Listen, I feel like if that was going to happen, it would have happened already. I think everyone, that's their biggest question. I'm at the grocery store. People are asking me, when are you going to pin our truth? I'm not going to do it. He's my friend. I've done nothing but help him. And there, there's already been women who have won the title. So it's like, I'm not going to be the first. So why do I want to pin my friend for the title? That's typical. She's not typical. She's mellow. She's money. She's right. fabulous. That's for other people. You know what I'm saying? For them. So you're saying to do that... She's not basic. She's not going to go and try to get the title. About me is basic, honey. Right. She's she's not like them. They, those ets. Right. All of them. Include the women too. Them ets, those ets, they ets. All of them. You know what I'm saying? To put the women involved with them. Throwing ets at the end of it. Yeah. Since Maria was that. You know what I'm saying? You put it with it. You know what I'm saying? Like. I get that. Right. I I know exactly what you're saying. Seventeen. Champ. He's been champ. Eleven times. Times, dog. Eleven. Teen. I see. I see. And is that sub- But it also, and I mean, you know, I don't mean to, I'm not trying to be rude. It also means you've lost 10 times. We all lose in life. We all lose in life. I lost little Jimmy for like two years to camp. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was wondering where he'd been. Camp, man. It took him for two years. Wow. Two years, dog. You know what I'm saying? Which was my fault. Something I don't like to talk about. Yeah, because usually camp is like for the summer. Right. And they kept him there. Now, did they keep him there, or did you just not go and pick up little Jimmy? It's a little bit of both. It's something I like talking about, you know what I'm saying? We won't talk about it there. We don't bring up old stuff. We don't do old stuff. We talk about new stuff. We move forward. Because, you know, we go back, right? I mean, you've been on each other for a long time. A long time. Right, okay. I mean, it's been years. It's been years. It's been years. 11 years? Um, teen years. Um, teen years. Up teen years is right. So, do you worry that your legacy as the 24-7 champion will be at all tarnished because the length. People talk about like, oh, this person was champion for a certain certain length of time. Length of time. You see. You made me laugh, Sam. Of time. Okay, ask me again. Okay, length of time. Do you worry that because you haven't had the title for a large length of time, people will go... I don't know how seriously we can take him as champion. I don't worry about that. You don't? No. Is that a they problem? That's a they, them, all those, everybody problem. You know what I'm saying? Just like, I don't worry about that stuff. That stuff worry about me. Yeah. When the 24-7 title is introduced, and Titus O'Neil wins it, and Bobby Roode wins it, do you sit there and do you go, look. Hogwash! 
You're, you're upset about that. Hogwash. He, I mean, they did win. Squirrel! You're distracted? Don't bother me. Oh. Because, well, I was going to say, you know, a lot of times the legacy of a title can go with the first champion. Did you say, I'm not going to let that happen because I see that 24-7 championship and I want to be the first person that defines that title. You're really worried about everybody. Yeah. He's scratching, I'm walking by me. I don't know what he's doing. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. When, <laughs> when Truth won the title and when the title's on Truth, that's when it's important. People talk about it. People are asking about it. People want to know all about it. When they, WWE did a poll a few weeks ago saying, who's your favorite champion in WWE? Truth won. Like, by a landslide. So, let, like, that to me speaks volumes. It doesn't matter how long you have the title. It doesn't matter who had it first. It matters what you do with it. Have you thought about this? If you do something where you kind of, I don't know if kidnap is the right word, but... That's a damn good word. Thank you. All right, then I'll use it. <laughs> if you were to kidnap all the referees, because really, follow oh, me here. That's the wrong word to use on me. Kidnap the referees. Yeah. I don't, I don't... He's thinking like, you know that plan we have with the pizza party? Yes. We have a plan. Don't worry. Smart, because to me, the problem is not the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of potential people to take the title from you. The problem is that small section of referees, because they all need a referee. I'd be going for that title right now, but I don't have a referee in here. Right and wrong, Sam. Right and wrong. I'll tell you, because it goes back to that lust demon you were talking about. You know what I'm saying? The referees, yes, a small group of them, but there's a large group of wrestlers that have that lust in their eyes for this right here. Yeah. That's what I'm not... That's, I have to worry about you guys with the, with the lust look, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Referee ain't no problem. It's the lust people. Right. And I mean, to, to go so far as to say that you're out there to challenge the concept of lust, it's right. a huge undertaking. Huge. And I'm not a lustful guy. No. I can't, you know what I'm saying? Lustivity is just like... Is that how you would say that? Lust I, I don't know. Lustivity is like magnify the lust I that see. people have. Once it becomes ibity, that's serious, dog. I see. Almost like the it. It's ibity. You know what I, I'm saying? I get it. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So it's like the individuals is what bother me. The referees, I can deal with them. We can take care of the referees. Right. It's a talent that pretend to be my friends, that laugh, that shake my hand, that may have other motives to do things. You know what I'm saying? Lust. Lust. Yeah, I get that. Have you have you found that being the champion, it's actually been quite a service because you've been able to see who you can trust, who you can't. It seems like yeah. your list of friends has diminished to two. Uno. Well. Oh, yeah. Don't insult Jimmy. Never. <laughs> get down. Stop jumping on people's stuff. You can't be jumping on that. I. I but it's still. Truth, some of the media people here aren't as familiar with the WWE product as, like, I am. How have they been reacting to little Jimmy doing interviews with you? Look at me like I'm crazy. What? Like I'm crazy, bro. What? We all got somebody messed up in our family. We all got some, you know what I'm saying? Every kid ain't perfect, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, I know. Look at me like I got a problem, something like that. Like, I got two heads, you know what I'm saying? Like. Right. They don't know little Jimmy. It's almost like every interview we do and every place we go, they're looking at him like he's crazy, and it's like... That's not cool. No. And Carmela, do you worry at all that at some point you'll have something else, maybe like uh, your wine will be coming out or something will be happening, right? And you'll go to one of these media outlets, and they'll be like, oh, last time we saw you, there was 
little Jimmy was running around or something like that, and you'll have to explain. explain but I'm, I'm used to that. You know, I'm used to having to explain. You can't give Jimmy wine. Oh, he doesn't drink wine? No. He uh, milk. 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 Like, Maybe a teaspoon or a drop about, of wine just to like, wash his mouth milk? out. Does he like almond milk? <laughs> Wash his mouth out. Just to give him a little swisher. You know what I'm a little taste. Yes. Yeah. Red or white? Do you like Probably. red or white? Red. He likes red. Right, of course. Yeah. How old is little Jimmy? Bro, he won't tell me. <laughs> he, will, he will not tell me. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Kids, man. Kids, Kids man. man. They just, they want to do their own thing. You can try to guide them. You can try to tell them right from wrong. They just want to do their own thing. Let them be kids, Sal. <laughs> you have to. Let them, Let them be kids. Be you have to. You have to. And you know what? They're only this age once. Once. You know? Twice. He, he's this age twi- twice. Twice, dog. Yeah. How, how is that? You, you ask him. This is some Benjamin Button stuff, huh? But I don't know. Talk to him yourself. Ask him. He's not picking up so great on the mic. He's been this age for how long? That's true. I mean, you literally look exactly the same as you did when you were getting rowdy. Younger. Give me your secrets. There's no secrets. What y'all talking about? <laughs> he's a rookie. You're on. I want it. What you talking about, Willis? <laughs> Truth. He's new. He's one of the new guys. I am. I know. Right. I used to watch Kofi when I was little, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> He also was a huge John Cena fan when he was huge growing up. Yeah, who were your who were your influences coming into the WWE? Oh man, like I said, Kofi, yeah. John Cena. Um, I watched Rumble when I was little, man, when he was just starting out. I mean, you probably were a little kid watching Drew McIntyre's first run. Drew? Yeah. Braun Strowman. You watched Braun. <laughs> no, I was like a little kid, like. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Right in the living room, man. Yeah, yeah but yeah. now, like, to be older and, like, living my dream and doing this, right. you know what I'm saying, dog? It's like, and meeting these guys in person, like, dog, I used to watch you when I was little, man. Right. They look at me, like, sometimes crazy, too, but, like, you know what I'm saying? But they're superstars. Crazy look. It's they're right. superstars, dog. Right. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, to you, they're still superstars. You're like that movie Rockstar, where you grew up with the poster of these guys on yes. your wall. Now you're one of them. Yes. Does yes, that Does that make you feel accomplished? I feel accomplished. It's, it's an extraordinary feeling, man. Like going to sleep with these guys on my, like on the ceiling. You put them on the on the ceiling. <laughs> I want to be like that one day, Sam. <laughs> the ceiling is a lot because you're looking up and, <laughs> you know. Can I please tell you something that Truth did? Uh-huh. So when was that? Was that Mania Week? Yeah. That um, Mania we week. had a signing at the Barclays Center at their like pop up shop, and people are coming in asking for autographs, photos, all that. He was on this kick where he decided to say everything was odd. Like if someone came in and like shook his hand, he was like, that's odd. And then it got to a point where I just couldn't even control myself. Someone was like, hey, how are you? And he's like, I'm good, how are you? And they're like, I'm fine. He's like, that's odd. And, <laughs> and they would try to and like, they, they justify it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I know that there's a lot going on in the world right now, but I... this little kid tried like shaking your hand and then he like just gave you a dab and you're like, that was odd. Oh, a kid? <laughs> <laughs> and he just, for the whole two hours, everything was odd and it just like, God, having him around is just the funniest thing in the world. It's so much fun. And people would just do it because it's all true. They right. go with it. Yeah, they, they, they go, with go with it. Watch this. Hey, Joe. Oh. I'll get both of them. <laughs> you get a yeah, yeah, yeah. When we finish this, where are we going? When we finish with Sam, where are we going? When we finish here, where are we going? That's art. 
I don't even know why he bothered doing this. Okay, now he throws it back to me. Yeah, he's, he's trying to... <laughs> he goes right into it. Like, he's yeah, right yeah. into it, yeah. See, everyone here knows you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh my right? God. Weird, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's just something about you. You have mastered the art of saying something with confidence and making it so that it's just reality. I mean, some of the some of these you question anything he yeah, says, you're just like, yeah. okay, yeah, he says it with so much conviction, and it's just like, okay, yeah, he's right. I mean, they're not even words half the time. Yes, Most I agree. Look, Sam is so bad. Like when we have like real meetings <laughs> at work, I can't say anything because if I do, everybody will laugh, and it's not serious no more. Right. Even if I ask a serious question, they will laugh at it. Like it's. Right. Yeah, I love when people are going like, why is Truth doing this character? And I'm like, character? <laughs> it's me, though. And when I get to be me, I get to like, it's fun. Right. So fun. And I found somebody that's like just as fun as I am. Everything that we do, not half or something, everything that we do, it's just natural. Yeah. And, and we just, even when they have us talk, we're just like, okay, what do you want us to say? What do you want us to hit? And we'll just vibe it ourselves, and it's freestyle all the way. And they don't have to write it for us, which is the best. Like that golf course video, oh. that was just us just being. And I think that's why it went over so well because we didn't plan any of it. I wasn't planning on dragging him across no. the golf course. And I thought I could outrun the golf cart, right? So I told her, I said, hey, what I need you to do is, so we're going to do this one time, you need to put the pedal to the metal and take off. And she's like, seriously? I said, yeah. I said, I'm going to run past you. She's like, I'll run by you like you're going too slow. And I was and like, okay. Stop, and then I'll let you go, and I'll come up and catch you. <laughs> so the guy didn't tell me that was a new golf cart. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we did it one take, and then it just it just stuck. And I didn't realize I was dragging. I'm like, I'm not going to stop. She drug me the whole field <laughs> of the golf cart, man. Yes, did not stop. There's so many elements of that, including Jinder Mahal being in his gear. On the golf course, perfect. He showed up like that. Yeah, so what guy rides around? They say, I'm weird. He's riding around in his wrestling gear. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I get it. Right. I get it. I think that that golf course video was like the video when the 24-7 title got introduced. A lot of fans were like, ah, what's this? You know, blah, blah, blah. I feel like it was the golf course video that it was like, you get it? You get it now? This is what we're doing. It's like, You're this right. is why it's You're so right, good. Sam. And yes. that was, yeah. I forgot about That was the first thing we really ever did with it that was outside of, like, a, a ring a or ring. an arena. Yeah. And then the uh, airplane, the tarmac, was the second, yeah. right? Right. So good. So now, yeah, we started getting it then. And so now they expect it. Now, did you, were you ready, like, thinking about what type of offense you would need when Pat Patterson won the title? Were you thinking to yourself, oh, <laughs> were you thinking to yourself, here's exactly what I'm going to do to physically take this man down and get that title back from him? Were you ready to fight Pat Patterson for that title? Oh, I was ready to fight any and everybody. Yeah. Babies, you know what I'm saying? Babies. Babies, too. So let's say Maria Canales keeps the title, has the kid, she lays down, kid is breastfeeding, her shoulders are down, referee one's in, one, two, three, that infant is the is the is the champion now, you're going and you're taking out the infant. You damn skipping. Right. Because what's more important, the infant or that title? It's survival of the fittest. Right. Right. Doggy dog world out here, Sam. You say doggy dog? <laughs> like Snoop doggy dog? Dog. Snoop's not from here. Oh. Hornswoggle is. Hornswoggle's from <laughs> Toronto? Yes. I, I, By Hornswoggle, he means Drake Maverick. That's what he calls yeah. Drake Maverick. <laughs> but it's Drake the Rapper. I wonder if Hornswoggle is sitting at home watching Raw going, if you're going to just mention, can I come back? Like, we just keep... 
No. 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 We're getting you mixed up and confused with somebody that looks just like you. That's all. Right. That's it. And it happens all the time. <laughs> they confuse me with Kofi a lot. Well, guys, I need to get, let you go and do your thing. Talk to the rest of the folks. Little Jimmy with you. I know. It's weird, right? It's odd. It's pretty odd. It's odd. It's odd. Yeah. <laughs> thank you both. I mean, thank you all three. Thank you. Thank you for that. We're going to take a quick time out so I can tell you about a team management tool that's going to improve your office workflow. Yes, I'm talking about Monday.com. It makes it easy to track projects, to stay productive. You don't need emails, spreadsheets, random files, whiteboards, to-do lists, post-it note reminders. Monday.com organizes and tracks everything all in one place. Let me tell you about Monday.com. You've got something that's intuitive and takes almost no time to set up. You've got something that's flexible, okay? You can easily customize it to do whatever you need it to do. It's easy to stay organized. It's easy to find files. Looking through your emails to find stuff is a nightmare. You're trying to figure out what words you should be searching. You're trying to figure out around what date it took place. Uh Uh-uh, never again. Monday.com organizes everything in one place so you're not wasting time. It creates accountability. Look, if you're a team leader, you know people try to pass the buck nonstop. It's impossible. Monday.com makes it easy to find the answer to the questions that you need. Are you working on it? Did you get the email? How often are important tasks getting lost in the shuffle? With Monday.com, you can easily assign tasks to coworkers and you can track projects. The platform is suitable for any size team, from two freelancers working together to thousands collaborating across the globe. I told you it's flexible. Check out monday.com. This is the incredible team management tool. Look, not only can monday.com do everything I just said, it's also gonna put an end to long, boring meetings. You won't need endless meetings trying to figure out new tactics to stay organized or who's gonna be working on what. Monday.com has all the answers, and that's why I'm recommending it. If you go to monday.com slash Sam. They're going to give you a free 14-day trial. No commitment. You can check out monday.com and see for yourself how helpful their software is. One more time, that's monday.com slash not Sam for a free 14-day trial. And make sure that you use the exact link. Because if you're using my link, monday.com slash not Sam, there's going to be additional savings if you choose to sign up. monday.com slash not Sam. Here is Sam Roberts. You were probably expecting State of Wrestling to begin right now, thanks to R-Truth and Carmella, but I told you I got a whole bunch of content for you guys while I was there in Toronto, didn't I? Well, what if I told you there was a bonus interview on today's podcast? You would know if you read the description of the show. By the way, while you're reading the description, you might as well give us a five-star review and write a a rating or a review. I don't know. Just do good stuff for the podcast on iTunes. It really helps, I suppose. But I'm going to give you a bonus interview. It's not even in the title of the show. What if I told you I sat down with Samoa Joe and chatted it up about what's going on with his character right now? Which Is that something you might be interested in? Is that something you'd like to hear? Well, then here it is, a bonus interview on this week's Not Sam Wrestling. Let's hear from Samoa Joe. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, with Samoa Joe. Hey, man. Joe, what's the haps? Not too much, man. How you doing? I'm good, but I was thinking about you because last, as always. I knew you were. I just had something in my head, so he's been thinking about me. 
last time we talked, you finally exposed yes. that you do interviews in character. Yeah, with you only. No, <laughs> with only you. You, you were the victim. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For an audience of one. It makes yeah. somebody else laugh. Well, like, granted, when we first did it, it was like, oh, the guy that's borrowing opening Anthony's studio <laughs> right. wants this. Oh, fine. Yeah, we're getting this guy. And then you got, like, popular. And then, but I was too committed to the gag by then right. to really respect your artistry. Uh -huh. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I just now revealed the last interview that we had together. So I had to work for it, though. Yeah, by yeah, the last yeah. interview, you're like, yeah. all right, fine. Yeah. You're oh, here. Oh, the, oh, the board op schlub? Yeah, yeah. Let's get this guy. Yeah, you know. I mean, you've been doing this long enough to know when it's like, okay, this guy's a schlub and this guy's actually a person. Oh, God, I, I really, really, I was like, yeah, when when, Ke when, 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 when all the boys, MVP, Key and all those like, oh, we got to go over there. I was like, <laughs> I get invited to Sirius. You know, I, I can walk in Shade 45 anytime. What am I doing with this guy? Right. You know, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I get real it. big shot, real <laughs> big leaguing. In the middle of the afternoon. Yeah, yeah prime yeah, time, yeah, right? Yeah. Prime time. Sway, shut up. I want to talk about something. <laughs> so now you're here, man, and you're doing media like uh, nonstop, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. How do you keep these things fresh for everybody else? I get how you keep the Sam Roberts interviews going. Yeah, yeah. But I, through character work and <laughs> lies and, and debauchery. You're basically practicing your, your improv career yeah. for when you're done with wrestling. But how do you keep the rest of them fresh? Uh, it, I don't know. I, I try to answer questions differently each time, which is really hard because they literally ask you the same questions every time. Uh, bless them. Uh, <laughs> uh, the other thing, too, is uh, you know, have a little bit of fun with people you know, here and there. Uh, you know, try to not be near E because they're real loud because they're always doing like little gimme. Oh, hey, new day. You know, like it's just, yeah, it, it's rough, man. It's just, a, it's, it's a gauntlet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you like, I feel like, I mean, you've, I guess you've always done it, but especially since you've been with WWE in the last year, you've done a lot of acting work. You've done a lot of, of, of storyline heavy work, whether it's AJ and his family, whether it's most recently you're talking to Roman and you're wanting an apology and there's somebody else hitting him with a car. Like, there's a lot of elements to what you're doing. It's not just tough guy going into the ring and kicking somebody's ass. Do you like that part of it? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's a good opportunity because, like, uh, you know, before... Uh here, here, here's an issue. Uh, sometimes when you do something really good, uh, they only want you to do that one thing. And uh, for a, lot, a long time, we're just like, oh, you're, you're a killer and killers don't talk. And I was like, well, you know, a lot of killers I see talk a lot, so I don't know. So uh, to get this opportunity now, it's kind of cool. She watched this Ted Bundy doc. Yeah, yeah. He's just dude talking oh, nonstop. Oh, oh, shut up. We get it. You like Needlepoint. You know, it's like, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, b being given the opportunity, it's funny because a lot of the opportunities are given to me by guys who kind of knew what I was capable of from before. You know, I know Road Dog was real big on, on giving me because he knew that, you know, he could hand me a mic and, 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 uh, and, and I'd handle it. So, uh you know, now uh, it's cool. You know, the, the the company has a lot of confidence in me to uh, you know handle subject material that's kind of complex, and uh, uh, you know we'll see where it goes from there. I feel like, especially since you've been in WWE, you've got this vibe about you where you've accomplished what you've accomplished. Your resume speaks for itself, and it's like you never strike me as somebody who's trying to prove to somebody that you're capable of something. You're just going, the work's going to speak for itself, and they're going to be able to see what I'm able to do. Is that true? And if so, at what point in your career did you realize, look, I know what I'm capable of. I know I can show that to people. They're going to figure it out or they're not. Uh, it, it's kind of a tale that I've actually told a couple times here. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it, is it at least worded differently it, it, from? Yeah, here it is. I'm going <laughs> to spin it around, switch a couple uh, switch a couple letters there. Uh, I, I think the biggest thing is when I've come in. See what I tell you about Big E? Loud as hell. So loud. No reason. Australian guys, they can hear fine. Anyways, he wants to bleed into yeah, everyone else's interview. Yeah, he's disgusting. Uh, um, 
What was the question again? Because you started talking. Oh, it was it was it was not needing to prove yourself to people. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Allowing what you do to speak for yeah. itself. God, you're good because you yeah. remember stuff. Uh, <laughs> no, I, this is the way I put it. Like you know, every, every company that I've worked for that I've had you know a, a deal with um, never really wanted me. So you know, ROH was a hey, we can't afford to fly you from California. Go out and wrestle. Hey, you're on every show. Uh, TNA. Hey, you're an internet guy. We don't got TV. We just want to bring you in so we can keep our streaming service going until we get this new secret TV deal that I knew about. Uh, and WWE was kind of the same thing. Hey, we don't think uh, Vince will like you up on the main roster. Uh, you're here for NXT. You can do what you want. And, you know, one night, next day, they hand me a full-term contract um, on a walkout. So it's like, at this point, if I, if I, if, if I can't believe in what I'm capable of, uh, I probably would have quit the business a long time ago. I, pr right. I probably would have, like, because, you know, I, I've been told no at every step of the journey, even after kind of accumulating what I thought was a pretty impressive career, still being told no. So at a certain point, you got to stop worrying about proving yourself to people who really aren't going to have much of an impact on your abilities or what you're able to show because, you know, talent's undeniable. And at the end of the day, when you go out there and you perform and you deliver, and if that person who is in a business uh, does not immediately secure you and bring you into the fold, then they're in bad business. And, yeah. and, and, and all the companies that I work with, I mean, for the most part, you know, they, they knew good business when they saw it and they, they saw me as good business and, and here we are. So it, it's, not, it's not that I'm overproving myself, it's just I just know I'm going to have to do it. You right. know, so we'll leave it at that. How far into your career did you have the confidence that you knew I'm going to be able to prove this? Like at what point? Was it, I don't need to be, hey, look at me, look at me. I'm aware of what I'm capable of, whether they are or not. Uh, I mean, I think pretty early on. Yeah. I mean, because like I said, like once, once, when I started my career and kind of the WWE path was closed off to me, you know, and, and it actually helped me because, you know, not a lot of people get a clear no. And there's a lot of power in a clear no. Because when you're given a clear no by WWE, which they rarely do, that's what people don't understand. It's like, they may say, hey, we'll see you in a couple months, which is can be terrible because you're just like, oh, are they really going to hire me? You don't know what that really means. But it's really them trying to keep their options open too, right? Yes, but a solid no is like, no, cool. And now the path is set. Like, now I know where, where I got to go and what I got to do to stay in this industry and, make, and to make a living. And uh, that no made it easy. Okay, Japan. And then from Japan to ROH, to TNA, to where we are here today. And, uh, you know, I really wouldn't change that. Like, everybody says, oh, do you, re you know, they speak to me as if I have regret because WWE didn't hire me right in my infancy uh, in this business. And uh, I don't because it kind of had this really awesome journey, met a lot of great people. And I like the way I entered WWE when I got in here because, you know, after the initial approving stage, uh, you know, everybody kind of gave me the respect, okay, this guy's a guy in the industry who, uh, who draws and does things and, and helps us out. So it, it worked out nice. Plus, it's like, dude, you know how to make a living outside of WWE, and who's in the title matches? For the most part. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, I grant a lot of people, oh, you've, you've lost a ton of title matches. I'm like, yeah, but I've been in the majority of them. So I'm, uh, I'm <laughs> yeah, we're not talking about the endings. We're talking yeah, about yeah, the, the yeah, entrances. Yeah, 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 the entrances. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Uh, I, I kind of felt like uh, there was a little bit of humanity for a first time in a long time uh, portrayed on television with Samoa Joe when Roman got hit by the car and you go get a medic out here. Do you want to start injecting more humanity? Start to, I mean, I feel like people are going to cheer you almost regardless. I mean, you've attacked men's families. You've been accused of uh, manslaughter. You know, I don't know how much farther 
the evil can go in Samoa Joe? Yeah, that is a question I ponder often. Uh, <laughs> I think, um, I mean, we'll, you know, we'll see. Uh, you know, bringing complexity to character, I'm, I'm totally cool with. And uh, uh, I'm very, very happy to kind of engage if, uh, if uh, that's where we're kind of going with it. But, uh, you know, it's, um, yeah, like I said, it's, it, for me it's cool because, uh, you know, playing one note is one thing. I like playing kind of several notes. And if that adds another note to the, to the character, then, I, then I'm, I'm totally with it. When you stopped wearing your necklace in the ring, was this a big, big decision? Like, oh my, because I mean, I feel like there's, with Joe, for a long time, it was the necklace, the shorts, the boots, that's it. Now it's the shorts, the boots. Like, it's, it, it was a look. As much as it's this little thing, I feel like it must have been a big deal at the time. Or was there just a day where you're like, I'm not going to wear this necklace anymore? No, somebody actually sliced their finger up real bad. Oh, really? Having it. Yeah, which was weird because they didn't have a sharp edge. They finally managed to do it. And that, I mean, it was bad. It was like like squirting blood. I remember it's an indie show. And uh, at that point, I just kind of went, ah, that's cool. I really don't want that squirt. Yeah. Were you worried about somebody else cutting their finger? Or were you like, that can well, happen I to a finger. Like, I'm not trying to let that. Like, and here's the other thing, too. It's, it's a lot of indie wrestling companies uh, don't clean their mats probably as well as they should. <laughs> And uh, this company was known for having a lot, including one that I had having a lot of staph infections that kind of magically Aww. appeared. So uh, after catching a staph infection from this particular ring and then having blood sprayed all over me because somebody grabbed my necklace uh, weird or tried to grab me by the cut their finger, uh, yeah, the, the, the biohazard was just a little bit much and I had to... <laughs> I like that you, you dropped the necklace, but you kept working for the promotion. <laughs> Actually, I didn't after that. Good. Yeah. Well, Samoa Joe, you don't have to worry about getting staph infections anymore. Because yeah, you're here, you're WWE. They changed the mats multiple times a multiple show. Times show. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, that's incredible. It is awesome, let me tell you. <laughs> and you're at SummerSlam. I've been rash-free for years now. It's been awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Isn't it amazing in the wrestling industry, the little things that you're like, you know what's great about WWE? Yeah. I'm not getting staph no infections staff on infection. the mat. Oh. <laughs> like, that's what people don't realize. You can give wrestlers like just the basics that a person needs to live by and they'll be like I feel like a king here yeah. we'll sell merch it'll be great <laughs> Samoa Joe thanks so much man. It, man let's take a quick pause to talk about adamandeve.com I'll tell you why I like adamandeve.com so much adamandeve.com can add variety to your sex life without making you feel awkward. And I'll tell you how it's done. You know, you go to these adult toy stores, adult bookstores, whatever you're looking for, video stores, and you know that you want to add some spice into the bedroom. But if you're like me, let's be honest, we don't know what we're doing. You don't know how it's done. You go into these stores, you see all the all the all the toys and the tapes and the videos and the lubricants and all these things. You don't know quite what to buy. You don't know what you should be paying for it. You're too awkward to ask somebody for help. It's a weird scenario. Adamandeve.com allows you to browse through their amazing utopia of everything you could possibly need to spice up your love life and do it without being uncomfortable. In fact, you couldn't be more comfortable. You don't even have to wear pants. You're just doing it right on your computer. And they're offering you the best prices on everything. When I say the best prices on everything, you're probably saying, you know what the best price is, Sam? Free. Normally, I would call you a smart aleck, but in this case, I would say you're absolutely right. Yes, because for free, you can spice up your bedroom in a ton of amazing ways. Here's how it works. You select almost any one item for 50% off, and then Adam and Eve is going to load up all the free stuff you could want. Enter offer code NOTSAM, N-O-T-S-A-M, at checkout, and they're going to give you, get this, 10 
tantalizing free gifts. 10 free gifts. There's a sexy item for him. There's a special gift for her. There's a third item you're both going to love. And six free spicy movies and free shipping. How do you get a better deal than that? That's N-O-T-S-A-M, not Sam, at adamandeve.com. Adamandeve.com, offer code, not Sam. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Gather around, gather around. It is State of Wrestling time here on Not Sam Wrestling. Of course, the only place that you can watch this State of Wrestling live and see the video as it happens, as well as see the video later and get everything in advance and get uh, all the shows ad-free and early and get bonus shows and get... Uh, free tickets to the upcoming live events like the one coming to Caroline's on Broadway on Sunday, September 8th at 7 p.m. with tickets at carolines.com is, of course, by being a member of our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Wrestling. Becoming a Not Sam show, it's how you get everything that I just mentioned and my favorite benefit, access, which I'm looking at right now, to our Discord room, a Discord server full of awesome wrestling fans, all listeners to Not Sam Wrestling, all Not Sam shows that are going all the time. I mean, they're talking about Raw, SmackDown, pay-per-views, WWE, AEW, New Japan. They're talking about other wrestling shows, other wrestling podcasts. I mean, they talk about it all. It's just a group of my favorite wrestling fans in the world all talking about it, and you can join that by joining the Patreon at any level, patreon.com slash Wrestling. It's less than a dollar a week. Now, Let's get into it. You know what we do on the State of Wrestling. Count down the top five stories of the week according to yours, truly the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts, in the world of pro wrestling. And I'll start with story number five, which to me is, of course, SummerSlam. I mean, I guess really the whole SummerSlam weekend. I talked about TakeOver and I guess SummerSlam a little bit, but I talked about how much I like TakeOver in the beginning of the show uh, this week. But SummerSlam, I thought was a really good pay-per-view. They kept it to three and a half hours. It seemed like... You know, everything mattered. We'll talk about Bray Wyatt probably a little bit more. That was certainly a highlight of SummerSlam. I thought that everything done with Bray Wyatt was great. Uh, I felt like the Kofi Kingston-Randy Orton match, If and I get why they did a double countout because they wanted to be able to continue to tell the story another day, but had that match had an actual finish, it probably would have been match of the night. Um, uh, up until the double countout, which got booed in Toronto, uh, just a tremendous match. I can't wait to see the rematch. I think that they're great together. And this, this, as I've said many times, as I said on the on the SummerSlam kickoff show, legit, this is the story that I've been waiting to see told in Kofi Kingston's title run. Uh, I really enjoyed the Seth Rollins-Brock Lesnar match. I thought it was super effective. It made me a believer, finally, in Seth Rollins. You know, the idea that he was able to overcome so much. I thought that story was well told. I loved the spot when... Brock Lesnar picked him up by his rib tape and threw him. I thought that was awesome. Uh, I actually thought that this match was quite a lot better than the match that they had at WrestleMania. I thought WrestleMania, Seth Rollins came in a little too Superman-ish, and I loved the vulnerability that he brought into SummerSlam and the fact that he was like tearing up and maintained that vulnerability even after he won the title and going forward, I thought was super good. And I mean, Brock Lesnar is just... As high level as he is, he's actually an underrated competitor. Brock Lesnar is really, really good. He is really good at telling stories 
when there's a story to be told. I I, I think he's just terrific. Um, I thought that the Goldberg match, for what it was, I actually thought it was cool. I thought it was kind of interesting. You know, I kind of like Dolph, you know, for some odd reason insisting that it's not a big deal. You're a coward for beating me and then leaving. And then he gets beaten again. He gets beaten again. He gets beaten again. I mean, there's rumors floating around about what the future of Dolph Ziggler is actually going to look like. But I at least thought it was, if you're going to squash Dolph Ziggler, which I kind of figured they would, it at least makes it a little more interesting, you know, that Dolph kept asking for more for some odd reason. Clearly, I think that this Goldberg match, the same way the last Undertaker match, was kind of just a reminder, just... Something, not to say that either of those two matches were the superstars' last matches. I'm not saying this is the last Goldberg match we'll ever see. But I think both the Undertaker match at Extreme Rules, I want to say, was the last pay-per-view. And uh, in the Goldberg match at SummerSlam, I think both of those matches were designed so that the Undertaker-Goldberg match can be kind of washed away. So that that match that people criticize so much, we can just wash that away because the last Goldberg match, we saw the old Goldberg. The last Undertaker match, we saw the old Undertaker. So we're all good. I think that was the point of those matches. Um, I thought, uh, man, Charlotte versus Trish, I thought was so, so good. You know, and I was ready for that not to be that great, to tell you the truth. I was ready to kind of be underwhelmed. By Charlotte versus uh, Charlotte versus Trish, but I I I I was overwhelmed. You know, I thought Trish crushed. You know, I, Charlotte is probably the best female athlete on the roster. I, I just you know I just I I couldn't say enough good about that match based on the fact that it didn't have to be good if that makes sense. You know, that match could have easily gone south. You know, I, Trish doesn't wrestle, right? But it didn't. And uh, both of those women deserve to be commended for that match for sure. Um, and other than that, you know, I thought the, the no surprise, the cruiserweight title match on the kickoff was good. Uh, you know, they added a couple matches to the kickoff, the Buddy Murphy. And who, by the way, I mean, it's not on my list just because there's not room for it. But before we move on from the weekend, can we talk about how amazing Buddy Murphy looked on SmackDown. Talk about two people that deserved a round of applause. I think Roman Reigns and Buddy Murphy both. Roman Reigns for really making Buddy Murphy. And Buddy for being there to take advantage of that opportunity. You know, I think that I think that they've, you know, after months of not doing anything with Buddy Murphy, he was given a, just this much opportunity. And he's running with it, man. And I couldn't be happier for him. You know, I think I think he deserves it both. Both Buddy Murphy and Cedric Alexander had these incredible matches with main event guys this week. You know, people were saying that the Buddy Murphy-Roman Reigns match might be one of the best matches of the year. And it's like, yeah, but that Cedric Alexander-Drew McIntyre match might also be one of the best matches of the year. I thought that was amazing, Cedric and, and, and Drew on Raw. So two great matches from the two. Think about, really, 205 Live is really interesting. Because 205 Live, you don't really look at it as a place that... I don't want to say where you would breed success from, but I only say that because people don't watch it. You know, there's not a lot of concentration put on 205 Live. But 
Look at the guys that have come from 205 Live that have made it onto the main roster. You know, take Mike Canales out of the equation, and you've got Ali, you've got Cedric Alexander, you've got Buddy Murphy. I mean, if I'm on the 205 Live roster right now, I am not feeling sorry for myself because clearly these are guys who once they get an opportunity, boy, can they take advantage of it, and boy, can they shine. And both Cedric and Buddy did that this very week. Uh, story number four, but yeah, as far as SummerSlam as a whole, um, you know, I would I would say it was a good show. It was a good, fun show that left you feeling satisfied. I don't think it left anybody feeling overly shocked. You know, I guess the Seth Rollins win was was kind of a surprise. But the stuff that kind of you thought would probably happen probably happened, and the stories moved in the way that they were moving. You know, I think that also with Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff coming into the picture, we're seeing a lot of parts moving right now. You know, we're seeing a lot of uh, parts that are that are changing and moving. So there's remnants of the old guard with the very beginnings of the new guard, and I I, I don't think that that picture will fully be painted probably until Royal Rumble this year. You know, I think we'll be figuring things out until about the Royal Rumble, and that's when we'll start marching toward what next year is going to look like. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. The wrestling year starts with or, or start ends with WrestleMania. So really, you know, I, it seems like a long way away, but the next big pay per view is Survivor Series. That's only in November. That's like. September, October, that's like two, three months. And then the build to Royal Rumble starts, so you're already at Royal Rumble, and that's where you're, you know, I think that that, that the, and that, you know, you've got, you've got the Fox deal starting in October. Right after that is Survivor Series. So I think what you're going to do is you're going to see what the WWE product really looks like with Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman in charge of SmackDown and Raw, respectively, with the Fox deal in place. So you've got Raw and SmackDown I think probably very much separated. You're going to start to see what it looks like heading into WrestleMania. And I think WrestleMania is really going to be the culmination that launches us forward into what the WWE product looks like going forward. Speaking of products going forward, story number four is, uh, and by the way, I was going to, story number four is Orange Cassidy signing with AEW just because of how much conversation and controversy that drew. But I do want to say congratulations to Austin Theory. It was just announced on WWE's website that I believe he's still the Evolve champion, Austin Theory, who was uh, backstage at TakeOver SummerSlam weekend and was in the front row uh, for his shot there, has officially been signed. I mean, dude, this guy. The athlete that he is, the look that he has, the fact that he's a baby, for Christ's sake. I sit there now, and I mean, dude, you got guys that were, like, born in 99. I'm going to look up what year, just just to, I'm going to look up what year Austin Theory was born right now. Just to give, because it used to be like, oh, I feel old because these guys are my age. But that's not feeling old. You want to feel old? Austin Theory was born. Austin Theory was born in 1997. Okay? You got guys that... It's amazing to me. 
right? Because the last generation I related to very much because they grew up with the Attitude Era, just like me, just like I think a lot of us that are probably listening to this podcast, we grew up with the Attitude Era. We are now seeing a generation of wrestlers that they grew up with the ruthless aggression. The generation that we're seeing now watched Brock Lesnar when they were a baby, watched John Cena when they were a baby, watched Randy Orton when they were a baby, Batista when they were a baby. Ruthless aggression was what their childhood was. We're talking about a generation of wrestlers coming up right now that do not remember a time when WCW existed. That's folklore to them. Austin Theory, there's no way. WCW went down in 99. It was two years. Austin Theory, I'm sure he's done all his homework and everything, but he does not remember a time when WCW existed. I say that to say, not only look how young he is, but the shape that he's in, the look that he's got, the ability that he has in the ring, by the way, and he's got all that time in front of him. Just amazing. Just amazing. I'm so excited to see what happens with Austin Theory. Uh, but Orange Cassidy is who AEW signed. Now, I'm a fan of Orange Cassidy. There's a couple of guys who I was actually uh, poking around trying to get on the podcast before AEW signed them. Uh, Marco Stunt was one of them, and Orange Cassidy was another one of them. Uh, and it just didn't work out for various reasons, and now they're in AEW. But, um, you know, I, I think that they're they're both super interesting because they're both representative of what, well, what independent wrestling looked like up until, you know, they signed with AEW. Now they're not independent anymore. But just the new face of what wrestling can look like. Because that was what the controversy was, right? That Which was a shock to me. I thought Orange Cassidy was kind of an internet darling. But people were pretty split. Even Dave Meltzer wasn't that sort of enthusiastic about the announcement of Orange Cassidy going to AEW as a big signing announcement. And I get the criticism. First and foremost, I get the criticism. Look, I think it, I, I'm interested and um, excited to see AEW present this other form, this completely non-WWE version of wrestling, comedy wrestling, that has been super popular on the independents for the last couple years, but that WWE really doesn't touch, that there isn't a main, there hasn't been, I should say, a mainstream audience for yet. I'm, I'm interested to see how some of this stuff applies to a mainstream audience. And that doesn't mean, you know, selling 10,000 tickets. That means millions of people watching on cable TV, hopefully. So... That and 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 when I say interested, I'm not I'm not even being uh, uh, negative about it. You know, I'm not going. Well, we'll see if it works. I'm I want it to work. I want to see what that presentation looks like because we haven't seen it before on that level in wrestling. So that to me is exciting. Um, but I think the criticism lies in the confusing branding that AEW has put out. You know, and and. It's the same reason I was critical of what they were doing at their last pay-per-view, specifically on the pre-show, whatever they call the pre-show. Um, you know, when you go to really launch your promotion and you tell everybody who's willing to listen, and this is what uh, their owner was saying a lot, Tony Khan, I think, was saying it even more than anybody else, but that they were going for a realistic, sports-based 
feel for their product. JR said it a lot. I think Cody and the Bucks said it a lot. Like everybody said it. And I said, okay. And I even remember having a conversation with Wade Keller, I think on his podcast about that, that I'm not 100% sure in my mind. I know for me personally, I'm not excited about that because I don't watch sports. Like I don't know. I think when we did a poll, we found out there was quite a lot of crossover. But I don't think because you watch wrestling means you watch sports and vice versa. However, it's not being presented, you know, Wins and losses matter, that whole thing. Like, I'm, 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 okay, let's try it out. When you have comedy acts that you're focusing on, that's where the message, the, the branding gets confusing. Confusing, that's all. You know, when you say, we're going to present a product that is more sports-based, that feels more competitive, and you go, yeah, I've seen that in what you do. You know, in the Cody Dustin matches in the Omega Jericho match, in the in the matches that the Bucks have had, in a lot of matches. A lot of stuff SCU has done. Feels real. All these matches are great. Awesome stuff. But then you do go on a kickoff show and you have like the sponsor of the show in a quote-unquote hardcore match with a guy who's hitting him with a pink inflatable flamingo and he's selling it and you go, well, this doesn't feel like sports. This is even goofier than what's on WWE TV. So... That, I think, is where the criticism lies for Orange Cassidy. Now, Orange Cassidy is a tremendous athlete. You know, Orange Cassidy has the ability to go beyond a comedy act. This is just the character that he's doing. And, you know, it also has been, I think, more multifaceted than a lot of people realize. But no matter how multifaceted it is, if it's primarily a comedy act, it does go against the initial statements of AEW, which is focusing on sport and adults and competitive and wins and losses and things like that. I think that, you know, I I don't agree with people that are jumping up and down now saying, well, WWE's in trouble because AEW's kicking their ass. Like, AEW's not kicking anybody's ass. They only, you know, they haven't even started TV yet. At the same time, I can't say, I don't accept people saying negative things about AEW yet either because they have not proven themselves. We'll find out in October where AEW stands, but I get the criticism behind promoting the Orange Cassidy thing because it doesn't feel as sports-based. I'm excited to see it. I love Orange Cassidy. I'm just saying that I think is where the criticism lies. Hey, I want to take a brief time out to talk about something that we all kind of know about, right? We all know what the risks of driving drunk are. You could get in a crash, you could hurt people, you could kill them. But here's some surprising statistics, right? Almost 29 people in the United States die every single day in alcohol-impaired vehicle crashes. That's one person every 50 minutes. We can't go an hour without something like this happening. Even though drunk driving fatalities have fallen by a third in the last three decades, drunk driving crashes still claim more than 10,000 lives each year. Drunk driving can have a big impact on your wallet too. You could get arrested. It would incur huge legal expenses. You could possibly even lose your job. So what can you do to prevent drunk driving? Plan a safe ride home before you start drinking. Designate a sober driver or call a taxi. If someone you know has been drinking, take their keys. Arrange for them to get a sober ride home. We all know the consequences of driving drunk, but one thing's for sure, you're wrong if you think it's no big deal. You're not special. It could happen to you. Drive sober 
or get pulled over. Uh, story number three, speaking of controversial moves, a lot of people came off of SummerSlam saying their favorite thing was Bray Wyatt. Their favorite thing was the debut of The Fiend, the entrance, the lantern, the outfit, the song, the entrance theme, the match itself. I mean, I thought it was tremendous. I think The Fiend is awesome. You go into the SummerSlam Superstore, and there was just all kinds of Fiend merch everywhere that you looked. Uh, But he wasn't on Raw or SmackDown this week. Now, the first thing that I said, I'm sitting in the locker room at SummerSlam, and I saw The Fiend have his match with Bray Wyatt, I mean, with, with Finn Balor, and he won, just like I said he would on the kickoff show. And he has this match, and I looked at whoever was there with me, and I said, man, I don't think Bray Wyatt should ever wrestle on television again, at least for the foreseeable future. I don't think Bray Wyatt should have a match on TV. You're talking about a character that is so well-received. His debut is the second-to-last match at SummerSlam, and it's a highlight of the show. To me, there is no reason. Like, I saw some people tweeting, like, oh, well, what he should do is come out and attack John Cena and The Undertaker, and he should beat everybody up. Or what he should do is come out and attack Roman Reigns, and he should attack Seth Rollins and become the Universal Champion. Like, look, relax. Here's the thing about The Fiend. You can't have him lose. So if you have him go after the best people on the roster right away, he's going to lose quickly. That's what happened to Bray Wyatt. You're literally doing what happened to the original Bray Wyatt character. And you're just getting so excited about this character and saying, well, let's have him just beat up everybody. No, no. Have him beat up people that he can win against. At the end of the day, that's why the demon wasn't at SummerSlam. Because the demon might have beaten him. You're going to beat the demon. You're going to beat the fiend. So if you want to see the fiend attack Roman Reigns, what, what, where does that go? To the next paper, you have Roman Reigns beat him. Oh, there goes the fiend. What happened when Bray Wyatt went after John Cena for a WrestleMania match? John Cena beat him, and then it was like the end of that. That was the peak of Bray Wyatt, and then it was downhill. Rusev. Oh, what if he went after John Cena? That would be great. Yeah, but John Cena beat him. What do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen if, if, if The Fiend goes after the tippity-tippity top-top of the card now? He's had one match, you know? I think he, you know, I, I, I don't know who The Fiend goes after next. Maybe Rey Mysterio. You know, get Andrade away from Rey Mysterio for a change. Have The Fiend go after Rey Mysterio. You know, maybe if the Fiend go after, I don't know, the Usos or something like that. I don't know. But you certainly don't have him go after the champion. But I do think that he should be, I think he should be present at TV. I don't even know if that means in the arena. I think there should be some kind of pre-taped or something just to remind people that the Fiend exists and he's out there. But I don't think he should have, I think he should only have matches at pay-per-views. And I think he should only have those spectacular entrances at pay-per-views. I think it should be something, you know, that sort of like weird like music and the lights going and the cuckoo, 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 cuckoo. All the lights go out at the arena one side at a time. That stuff should happen on Raw. But then the match itself only happens on pay-per-view. I think that would be great. Uh, Speaking of Raw, 
Story number two, we found out on Raw this week that next week the King of the Ring tournament returns to Monday Night Raw. Now, at first, I thought that they were going to do the whole tournament on Raw next week, which I was kind of in favor of. I like the idea of doing the King of the Ring in one night, especially when they said it's 16 men. I love a tournament, especially a 16-man tournament. I love the idea of doing it all in one night. They're not going to do it all in one night, and you know that because, number one, they've announced uh, that it's going to happen on Raw and SmackDown. And number two, because they've announced that the semifinals of the King of the Ring tournament are going to go down September 9th at Madison Square Garden at Raw, which is the day after the next Not Sam Wrestling Live event at Caroline's on Broadway. You get your tickets at carolines.com Sunday, September 8th, 7 p.m. New York City. Um, so this is a tournament that's going to last several weeks, as it turns out, or at least a few weeks. Um and I like it. I like the King of the Ring. I think it's, uh, think about it, for some people it, it didn't do much, but for others it breathed new life into characters. I think it was great for William Regal. It was incredible for Booker T. It was incredible for Owen Hart. It was incredible for Mabel. You know, say what you want about Mabel, but making him King Mabel turned him into a main event bad guy, for better or worse. I'm not saying that it was the right move, but I am saying that Mabel winning the King of the Ring tournament changed Mabel forever. Is that fair? I think so. Uh, I mean, it's changed. Wade Barrett. I thought it was. I thought it was the right direction for Wade Barrett to go in. So that's kind of how I look at this stuff when I look at. And you know, I, the sixteen men in the King of the Ring tournament. It's eight from Raw. It's eight from SmackDown. It's Ricochet, Cedric Alexander, Samoa Joe, The Miz, Drew McIntyre, Cesaro, uh, Baron Corbin, Sami Zayn, Zayn. Uh, Ali, Kevin Owens, uh, Apollo Crews, Chad Gable, Shelton Benjamin, Buddy Murphy, Elias, and Andrade. Eight from Raw, eight from SmackDown. So what did I do for you guys? Get out a pen and paper because I decided to do the whole tournament. I already knew exactly who I wanted to win. As soon as they announced they were doing the King of the Ring, I knew exactly who I wanted to win and exactly how, and the story that was to be told. So let's go over how this might go down in the world of the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts. If I've got the pencil, here's what I'm thinking. First round matches. First of all, I'm keeping Raw and SmackDown separate. Eight guys from Raw, eight guys from SmackDown. If you're doing matches on both Raw and SmackDown, I'm not combining the rosters. I'm doing a SmackDown side and a Raw side. The winner of the SmackDown side takes on the winner of the Raw side in the King of the Ring finals. I would expect that would go down at a pay-per-view, maybe Hell in a Cell. Um, Not in a Hell in a Cell. I'm saying at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. So, on the Raw side, I've got your first round matches are as follows. Sami Zayn versus Ricochet. Baron Corbin versus Cedric Alexander. Samoa Joe versus Cesaro. And The Miz versus Drew McIntyre. Good guys versus bad guys across the board. Those are your eight raw guys. Here's how I would have this go. Drew McIntyre beats The Miz clean. Clean as a whistle. Samoa Joe beats Cesaro clean as a whistle. Ricochet beats Sami Zayn clean as a whistle. And Baron Corbin returns to take on Cedric Alexander 
and you're going Cedric Alexander, like that's kind of the first we start sprinkling in this idea that he's going to be the underdog favorite. I mean, can you imagine what this would mean for Cedric Alexander? This is a guy who started at 205 Live. He's been doing everything he can to get noticed on Raw. He's jumped off the Titantron. He had a match of the year candidate with Drew McIntyre. Tonight, he's got the opportunity in this King of the Ring tournament to stand above all of his peers and get on a skyrocket straight to the main event. That's what I'm saying about Cedric Alexander. Until Drew McIntyre interferes. Trips Cedric Alexander at one point on the rope. Cedric Alexander turns around. Hey, get out of here, Drew McIntyre. Turns back to Baron Corbin. End of days. Baron Corbin beats Cedric Alexander, spoiling the whole thing because of Drew McIntyre. Now, we have Drew McIntyre versus Samoa Joe in the second round. And guess what? Cedric Alexander has had about enough of this. Turnabout is fair play, my friend. He gets involved And now you've got Samoa Joe beating Drew McIntyre because Cedric Alexander got involved. Then you've got Ricochet versus Baron Corbin. And Baron Corbin, a hard-fought matchup. Baron Corbin wins. And this time, Baron Corbin wins clean. The first time, Baron Corbin won because of interference. This time, Baron Corbin wins clean. You got Baron Corbin versus Samoa Joe as your Raw final match. I mean, come on. Who can call that? You've got maybe two... Two of the toughest, if not the two toughest superstars on the roster squaring off head-to-head. Samoa Joe versus Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin is the one that ends up on top. He takes advantage of a subtle mistake that Samoa Joe makes. Baron Corbin ends up winning. I have Baron Corbin winning the Raw side. Now we go over to the SmackDown side, and here are my matches. Andrade versus Apollo Crews. Shelton Benjamin versus Chad Gable, battle of two former tag partners. Buddy Murphy versus Ali, battle of uh, former 205 Live members. And Kevin Owens versus Elias. Now, we already know how the first match is going to go. Of course, Shane McMahon interference. He wants to make sure Elias is his boy. Elias beats Kevin Owens. Next, you've got Ali versus Buddy Murphy. Match of the year candidate. Ali does, I mean, Buddy Murphy performs... Even better than he did in his match with Roman Reigns. This thing goes 20 minutes. Incredible. Back and forth and back and forth. They give the performance of a lifetime. And Ali ends up with his hand held high at the end of the match. You got Shelton Benjamin versus Chad Gable. Back and forth. Great match. Shelton Benjamin wins. And then you've got Andrade versus Apollo Crews. Andrade has a pretty easy time. And he beats Apollo Crews. Into the second round, you got two heels. Shelton Benjamin versus Andrade. Andrade is going to beat Shelton Benjamin. And then you've got Elias versus Ali. Now, this is a, this is a tough one because Ali is going to have the match of a lifetime. But Elias, he's crooked. He's crooked. He's got Shane McMahon on his side. Shane McMahon comes to help Elias again. However, this time Kevin Owens shows up. Kevin Owens hits Shane McMahon. Elias turns. What are you doing? Get out of here, Kevin Owens. Get out of here, Kevin Owens. Ali beats Elias. Now your final on SmackDown is Ali versus Andrade. It's a great match. This is a match where Andrade is really going to shine, but he's not going to shine bright enough because Ali beats Andrade. Your final match for the King of the Ring is Baron Corbin versus Ali. Ali says simply, I had the opportunity to enter the Elimination Chamber. A match in which the winner 
would get a title opportunity at WrestleMania. I missed that match. Kofi Kingston took my place, and he's never looked back since. I need the King of the Ring. I need the King of the Ring to make up for everything that I lost. This is my moment. I need to be the king because the only place left to go after you're the king is the champion. And I'm going to be WWE champion after I'm king of the ring. And all I have to do now is beat the evil Baron Corbin. So Ali goes in with all the motivation in the world. And unfortunately for Baron, just kidding, Ali, it's not quite enough. Baron Corbin takes him out, pulls the tights, crooked chicanery, steals the moment from Ali, and Baron Corbin wins. I believe this King of the Ring tournament is all about making Baron Corbin the king. He's no longer Baron Corbin. He's not a Baron. He's a king. King Corbin comes out of this, the 2019 King of the Ring. I think it's the only way to go. King Corbin, he's back on TV now. He's back behind the mic. And he don't answer to nobody. He's King Corbin. I truly believe that this King of the Ring tournament can be completely set up and completely designed so that Baron Corbin is as awful a human being as you've ever seen. You know, I think truly think that when you look at guys like Wade Barrett and Booker T and Owen Hart and uh, uh, Mabel and all the people whose careers changed after the King of the Ring, Baron Cor- William Regal, Baron Corbin is right there with him. I love the idea of Baron- of King Corbin being the King of the Ring, um, and I don't think he would ever let anybody forget it. I think it could be great. Story number one is the return of your girl, my favorite wrestler. Sasha Banks, legit boss, finally is a bad guy. Took off the purple wig to reveal the blue underneath, and here she is. Sasha Banks is evil. What a successful return, huh? What a successful return. I think that based on the way she went out with, you know, the rumors and everything, with everybody thinking that she's been gone because she hasn't liked being in WWE or whatever it is, um, she's developed a reputation for herself on the internet. And I think that, uh, I think that this is, this is good. I think you got to play into it. You know, I think you got to, I think she's perfect to build on the sympathies of, uh, Becky Lynch, to build on the sympathies of a Natalia. You know, you could sit there and Becky Lynch says, look, I was in the same position as you. I wasn't getting anything. I wasn't getting any opportunities. I wasn't getting anything that I wanted. I was lost in the shuffle, but I changed the road I was on. I changed my destiny. You took your ball and you went home. You know, that's the story that I would tell from Becky Lynch's side and from Sasha Banks' side. You know, I would say you're a phony. You're a fake tough guy. You're, you're, we, I know exactly who you are. I've known who you are the whole time. You're stealing uh, the identity of people who've come before you. You're stealing Stone Cold's identity. You're stealing Conor McGregor's identity. You're pretending to be this person that you're not. And I've been the legit boss from day one. I'm really excited about this this rivalry. You know, I, I, I loved the reaction that she got. Of course, there were mainly cheers, but there were some people booing after the attack on Becky Lynch. And I think Sasha Banks will be able to get people to boo her. 
you know, I, I think she's got it in her. I think it's going to be very successful, and I can't wait to see where this character goes. But uh, super excited that Sasha Banks returned this week on Monday Night Raw. Hey, that's the end of this week's Sam Roberts Wrestling. Uh, I'm Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. What is this? What is a year ago? I don't think so. That's the end of this week's Not Sam Wrestling. If you want to see Not Sam Wrestling live at Caroline's on Broadway, we haven't been back. By the way, it's been uh, 51 weeks since we've been back. The last time we were at Caroline's on Broadway, it was for the 200th episode of this podcast. We're going back September 8th, over a year since we've been gone. Uh, to do a live show the night before Raw returns to Madison Square Garden. So get those tickets now, carolines.com. I'll also have it all over my social media. You can join us on Patreon, uh, become a Not Sam Shill at patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. And we will see you next week right here on, you guessed it, Not Sam Wrestling. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been 